and welcome to Midday with Reverend Don. And as you know, if you follow Midday with Reverend Don, you can type your question or comment on whatever platform that you happen to be watching on, and it will appear here in my chat room. And uh, lately, we've had the chat room here on the screen um, as well. So uh, feel free to join the conversation. Today, we are going to talk about Mercury retrograde and other superstitions. And what do I mean by that? Well, I don't mean that Mercury retrograde in itself is a superstition. But I do feel that the way a lot of people react to it is a superstition. Uh, and what do I mean by that? If you've, if you've read my books, you will know that I subscribe to Plutarch's definition um, of religion versus superstition. That um, religion or spirituality, if you prefer, is based on love of the divine and superstition is based on fear of the divine. And hello to Lynn in the chat room. And that for the magical purpose, or for the magical person, uh, the purpose of doing something really should not be fear, because that's what we're studying to deal with, and anything that uh, needs to be healed or overcome. So the idea um, of running and hiding under your bed over something like a Mercury retrograde, for example, I think is not good for anyone, but especially for a magical person, because you ought to know that where you put your focus is going to influence to some extent what you get. If you're expecting everything to go wrong, um, it may or may not be that anything more goes wrong than normally would, but you're, you're going to attribute it uh, to what you're afraid of. Mercury retrograde is a, it's an actual thing. It is a part of astrology. It's um, only one of several possible retrogrades. We spoke recently about Jupiter retrograde. Mercury retrograde is when the planet Mercury visually appears to go backwards in its orbit. And this can have, um, for some people, a negative effect on anything that Mercury rules. And hello to Kazan in the chat room. It's good to see you, Kazan. Um, but it doesn't have anything to do with anything that Mercury does not rule. Um, I suppose it can be affected by any aspects to Mercury. It can be uh, affected by houses. It can be affected by its re relativity to your own natal chart. Uh, but that's not how so many people want to treat it. People so often want to treat Mercury retrograde as, as if it were Murphy's retrograde, that it simply means that anything possible will go wrong and anything that goes wrong can be blamed on that. And that does not reflect a good understanding of astrology, um, nor a good way to live a magical lifestyle. Um, there are a number of things that are ruled by Mercury, and perhaps in a Mercury retrograde, it is wise to be a little more cautious with these things, to take um, various um, shielding measures if you feel the need for it. But you also want to remember that as a magical person, you also have control over the things that happen to you. And this idea that you're just going to put your hands up and... Um, and um, think everything is going to go wrong is the worst possible attitude for a magical person. Hello to Janet in the chat room. It's good to see you. Um, 
Mercury rules travel, commerce, communication, uh, a number of important things. It also rules thought. So it's generally said that um, it's better certainly to be, be very cautious about signing contracts during this period, about starting new projects, uh, to be extra cautious on trips, um, and things like that. Um, but again, it has to do with so many other, um, oh, and hello to Rev. Melanie in the chat room. It's good to see you, Melanie. Uh, so many other aspects to this also, including the fact that Mercury retrograde doesn't affect everyone the same way. If you were born when Mercury was retrograde, then it should be an especially fortunate time for you. Um, people never mention that. So I think that people all too often have a superstitious response to Mercury retrograde that doesn't help anything. Uh, ideally, something like this is a warning to be a little more cautious about certain things that are indicated, as we've talked about, uh, but not an occasion to program your life to go wrong. And I think that's how a lot of people use it. When you're a magical person, your belief systems and your mindset influence what comes to you in life. And hello to Jason in the chat room. And I think it's very important to make sure that you maintain a positive expectation, a positive mindset, uh, because your ability to manifest, which is what we develop magic to, to have, uh, is going to tend to manifest what you believe will be there, what you expect to be there. Uh, so thinking that everything is going to go wrong uh, kind of programs it to do so. Instead, you should take a cautious view toward those things that Mercury rules, assuming that you were not born in Mercury retrograde, um, and maybe consider how it's affecting your natural personal natal chart and uh, what other aspects may be in play. But um, do not um, do not make it into something that it's not. And again, I find it particularly important um, for magical people to be aware of this. And hello to Julia in the chat room. Um, And Julia says, I've got to sign important documents, so I'm putting it off till the new year. Uh, well, you know, you certainly can do that. But, you know, some other things you might want to do is perhaps practice some meditation, uh, perhaps do, do uh, some magic regarding the situation to counteract any, any negative effects that uh, there might be. Because, you know, this is why we learn magic, so that we're not the hockey puck of fate, for want of a better way to put it. Uh, when you have magic, you have a number of, of responses. Um, and we were talking about this yesterday, about the importance of attuning ourselves to the energies of the universe without being slaves to them. Because often we do need to do things when maybe the energy of the universe is not going in that particular direction, but our energy needs to go where it needs to go. And one of the purposes of magic is to help us to do that effectively. Um, you know, it, um, the dark of the moon is a wonderful time for releasing things, uh, and not generally thought of as the best time for creating things. And yet if you need to create something, then 
you can't necessarily wait for another time. You have to know how to empower your work to go forward anyway. Um, or as I like to say, if the magic isn't going to help when the car is speeding off the road, uh, what good has it been to study it? And I think that's true with all astrological um, aspects. And there, there are astrological aspects every day of the year. Uh, some of them, like a Mercury retrograde, go on for a little while. Uh, well, most of them go on for a little while. Some of them don't. Uh, some of them are very quick. Uh, but they all have their effects. And none of them should stop us from doing what we need to do. Rather, we should consider when that energy is not going in the direction that we want to go, how we can strengthen our working to go forward anyway. Um, and so that is my basic thought on Mercury retrograde, but it's my thought on a lot of other things that people have a superstitious reaction to also. Um, in writing about tarot cards, which I've been writing about for many years now, uh, one of the sections that I usually deal with is superstitions regarding tarot cards. And um, there are a number of these. And do they have meaning? Well, it depends on whether you give them meaning to some extent. Uh, I have ignored almost all of them and done perfectly well. But, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the biggest superstitions, and hello to, to Zela in the chat room from, from Dublin. It's good to see you, Zela. Um, you know, people will, will, for example, feel that they must keep their cards, or at least at one time it was a common superstition that cards must be wrapped in silk and kept in a special box to protect them from outside influences. Uh, my cards are lucky if they're in a baggie, um, and yet they work perfectly well. And if you want to see them work, you can see me once a month on Tarot Thursday here on Magic TV and see how my cards work. Uh, they work as well as anyone's cards. Uh, the idea that you must keep them in a certain way is a superstition. Now, it may be important to you for other reasons. It may make you feel magical to wrap your cards in a, in a silk cloth or, or um, keep them in a special wooden box. And that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying that um, it's not an absolute. It's not a necessity. Hello to Jeanette in the chat room. It's good to see you, Jeanette. And hello to Lorelai in the chat room. It's good to see you. Um, I love seeing everyone in the chat room. It's, it's good to see all of you. Um, another thing about tarot cards is many people uh, traditionally believe that um, you should not buy a set of tarot cards, but can only be given a set of tarot cards. Um, a point of view I totally disagree with. Although I will say uh, my first set of tarot cards were a gift from my mother, uh, but I've bought many for myself over the years that worked perfectly well. And, you know, if you don't know anyone in your life who practices with tarot cards, who would be giving you one? Uh, you must buy your own. Obviously, it can't be a stopper. Um, because you know, so many people don't know anyone who reads tarot and therefore wouldn't be getting a gift pack. Um, but there are some people who are, who are terribly bound by that idea. Um, one that has a little more relevance is the idea of not reading for yourself. Some people believe that you should never read tarot for yourself or oracle cards or whatever, any form of divination for yourself. 
And the reason is because you don't have the necessary distance from your own situation and you will warp the message either to what you hope for or to what you fear because you're not far enough from it. And that is a reasonable concern. Uh, it is one that, in my opinion, you can overcome through practice. I read for myself now all the time, but when I first started reading, uh, I found that, yes, I would tend to warp the message. But um, as, I, as I say frequently, psychic work is a passive activity. You let the information come to you. You do not analyze it. You do not judge it. Uh, you let it come through you, and then you can analyze it. And if you're doing that, then you can do that for yourself as well as uh, anyone else. And, and Jason says, ha, 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 we were talking about that last night. Yes, we were. Um, and um, it, um, it is true, however, that even if you are reading for yourself and having good results, uh, you, should, you should always bear in mind the possibility that you could warp that message. Um, any kind of psychic message, I think this is always a possibility you must remember. And um, this is true in a number of different ways. It's especially true, for example, with clairvoyance or, or with oracle work. And there, there are the following ways you, you can warp that message. One is through your hopes or your fears. Uh, if you're too afraid to look at something, you're not going to be able to get that message. You will block it. Um, if you are so fixated on a certain outcome, sometimes you will force it into the message. Uh, you really have to practice your passivity in receiving messages to, to never have that problem, but you can do that. You can, you can come to the point that, um, that you would rarely have that problem. But the other thing that can warp a psychic message is if you don't have the references to bring through the message. And the way that a psychic message works, like a clairvoyant message, like, a, like an oracle, uh, it comes in through your crown chakra, it moves through uh, your third eye and your thinking mind to come out through your mouth. Um, and it comes in as telepathy. It comes in as thought and concept. There are no words coming to you from spirit. There are ideas. There, there is information. But the words are coming from you. Uh, that's why, as a general rule, people don't suddenly start speaking in Latin when they're bringing through an oracle um, or ancient Egyptian or whatever. And um, I know there are people who claim to do that. I have never seen it. Um, now, I won't say it's not possible, but it's not something that generally happens because if you don't know the language, it's going to be very hard for a spirit to put that message together in a, dif in a different language than what you're speaking. Uh, it's also difficult to put together a message that you don't have a concept for. And my favorite example of this, uh, Rosemary Fletcher, an old friend of mine who I often mention, um, probably the probably, I think, in retrospect, the best psychic that I have ever known. I think I've said that about her many times on this program also. Once did a reading for Sir Edward in which she predicted that he was going to have a daily newspaper going out all over the world. And there was much more in the, this, um, this reading, but it was very clear that she thought she was talking about an old-fashioned 
uh, printed on paper newsletter, uh, newspaper being mailed out across the world. Uh, within a few years, this actually came to pass, except it wasn't an old-fashioned uh, newspaper. It was a modern uh, internet newsletter that was going out through email and, um, and websites, and it was going all over the world, just as she predicted, but she did not have any reference for the coming internet. It was not part of her background, was not part of her thought process. And those of you who are old enough to remember um, before internet really be became a thing, for most people, they were not expecting it so quickly. They knew it was going to come. Uh, it's kind of like the new AI uh, things. Everyone knew they were going to come, but they came about 10 years earlier than anyone was expecting. Um, but this is an example of how if you don't have the necessary reference for a message, uh, you cannot necessarily bring it through with exact accuracy because you just don't have the words for it. You don't have the concept for it. Um, this, uh, I mentioned Plutarch earlier. Plutarch was a great historian, uh, philosopher, and priest in the late Roman Empire, middle to late Roman Empire. Uh, and among other things, he was one of the presiding priests at the Temple of Delphi. And someone once asked him why the Oracle of Delphi had declined in quality from what it had once been. The Oracle of Delphi had been the wonder of the ancient world, bringing through very accurate messages and, and often beautifully worded, but that was no longer really the case in Plutarch's time. And his response to this um, was that the people who were now filling the office did not have the same level of education and experience as the people who had previously filled the office. Uh, that in the classical era, the, the women who were the, the, the Pythian oracle had been upper-class women with a broad education and therefore lots of reference for messages that needed to come through. But over time, upper-class women started to refuse to accept the, the position. For one thing, uh, the office of the oracle tended to shorten the life of whoever took it. And uh, there were not a lot of women who had a lot of choice who were willing to take an office that was going to shorten their life by many years. Uh, so they started take, taking people who had, um, well, pretty much any background, whatever, and they didn't necessarily have the same geographic knowledge, the same political knowledge that their predecessors had had. And therefore, while the messages being sent to them were not necessarily less accurate, their ability to bring them through was significantly truncated. And this is true today. Um, and you'll see this particularly with people who are doing things that involve past lives, past life readings, past life regressions. Um, very often, many of the details they'll bring through are not accurate to the time. Does that mean that the experience they're having is not real? I would say no. It just means that they don't have all of the references to understand everything they're seeing. Uh, one of the things that sometimes happens is that people will see um, light sources that are, are not period uh, appropriate to the things they're looking at. But does that mean that what they're seeing spiritually and emotionally is not accurate? I don't think that it does. I think they just don't 
have a way to interpret some of the details they're perceiving. This is true in all psychic work. Um, and this, again, is why you need to be very passive in how you bring things through. And you need to have as wide a range of knowledge as you can before you come to it. Um, and continue growing that because you'll be able to bring through a wider range of messages more accurately. And of course, most importantly, you have to be able to set your own hopes and fears, um, expectations and prejudices totally to the side and be a passive receiver of that message. And if you do, you should do quite well. Uh, what other superstitions can... Um, there are so many superstitions that have been jump-started by Hollywood um, and by people from what I would call a Christian dominionist background doing paranormal research, which is actually meant to frighten people off of metaphysics. Um, I often speak of... Um, Oh, what are their names? I can't think of their names at the moment, but um, there's a particular couple who are very, very famous for all of these horror stories that they would encounter doing paranormal work. Um, but if you really look at them, most of them are nothing worse than a poltergeist. Uh, and some of them don't appear to have even been that. But they had an interest in making them very oogie-boogie, very frightening, because they wanted to frighten people off of metaphysics. Um, if you look at something like a... If you look at something like the Ouija board, you'll find all kinds of people who are terrified of working with Ouija boards. Despite the fact that, firstly, a Ouija board is a piece of cardboard with a sticker on it, and is a variation on the pendulum, which was used in this way with letters written out temporarily, um, much longer than the Ouija board itself has been around, but the Ouija board itself has been around for generations and never had this negative, this negative reputation until about two, maybe three generations ago, um, largely as the result of a particular Hollywood movie and also of, um, of Christ Christian dominionist propaganda. And uh, since then, people, so many people have been very afraid of it. And when they go to work with it, they often will have experiences that they can interpret as, as scary or spooky. And this brings us back to what I was saying earlier about being a magical person. If you're expecting a certain thing to happen, it's far more likely to happen for you as a magical person. You need to be careful also of your expectations. Uh, whenever talking about a Ouija board, I always refer back to a certain program I did for telepathic media many years ago. And I and Howard Heim were the guests on this radio show whose title was Ouija board, psychic tool or gateway to hell, 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 hell. And I took the point of view that it was only a psychic tool, not an especially good one, but only a psychic tool. And, um, my counterpart took the, the point of view that it was a gateway to hell. And one of the stories he told about uh, to support this point of view was about a group of frat boys who got drunk, took their Ouija board to a graveyard with the intention of having a spooky experience, had a spooky experience, and, and uh, 
um, were therefore terrified of using Ouija boards. If you're looking for a spooky experience, you can certainly have one, but I would argue that you're largely generating it. And this comes back to our hopes and fears. Um, if you have certain expectations, you really need to set them aside. Ouija boards are not, in my opinion, particularly helpful for much of anything. Uh, if you have access to an open clairvoyant, uh, they can be somewhat useful in training someone in clairvoyance. Lady Crystal used a Ouija board to train me in clairvoyance. Um, but after, after a relatively short time, as we were talking to the spirit guides, they, they, they started saying things like, what, you're using this damn thing again, quote unquote? Uh, because they thought they thought it was ridiculously slow and hampering. And the truth is, once you learn to bring through a clairvoyant message, it is. Um, so if you want a reason not to use a Ouija board, it's only that it's a primitive tool. Um, but I have observed on occasion some very excellent results with them. Um, but you have to use them as a psychic tool. Um, if you're expecting them to be something else, well, you might get what you expect, but in magic, we commonly do. And uh, I think probably my largest message to, to you, oh, and hello to Renee in the chat room. I hope you're feeling better, Renee. Um, Renee has been a touch under the weather, so please, um, please, th please, please remember to send her some healing energy. And hopefully that's already having a good effect on her. But my, my strongest message to you regarding any kind of, um, of superstition, that is to say something you're doing out of fear, is to remember that as a magical person, you make things happen and prevent things from happening. And you know, do not prevent, or, do, or rather do not create what you do not wish to have uh, and use your tools to prevent anything that you think might be negative. Um, if you're using things in a proper spiritual way, you're really not going to have a problem. Um, and if you do have a problem with almost anything metaphysically, the, the best answer is to simply ground the energy, which will stop anything unusual from manifesting. Which brings us back to psychic hygiene, which is why I always start um, teachings about psychic and magical work with psychic hygiene and how to, for example, ground energy. With that, I see that we've come to the end of our half hour. I hope that you've enjoyed the program. Uh, I will see you again tomorrow, and I hope that you have a lovely afternoon. And let us close with our prayer, as we always do. And Divine Mother Goddess, Divine Father God, beloved ancestors, we thank you for all that you do for us in our lives. We rejoice in your presence in our lives, and we ask you to help us to receive clear messages, and to guide us, forward in health and safety in our lives. Help us to know when we need to observe caution and when we really don't. And help us to remember that we are the masters of our lives and that magical skill is given to us for this purpose. Divine Mother Goddess, Divine Father God, beloved ancestors, we thank you with great love and thanks and knowing you are always with us. We thank you for your presence and may you be blessed now and always. And I thank you for your presence, and I will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And um, until then, may you be blessed now and always.